Time for some hope. The days are getting longer and warmer. The summer is coming. The stock market has rebounded slightly. The COVID-19 curve appears to be flattening in our state and many other places. All good things, but not at all the firm foundation for hope that we're looking for and in desperate need of. That any of these things are feeble and fleeting at best. The only predictable part about the weather is its unpredictability. I shouldn't even have to comment on the danger of the stock market being your foundation. And if our hope is in health and strength and longevity, then we're in real trouble. And yet so many base their hope on things like these. Health, financial security, clear skies and smooth sailing, a future day being better, whatever that means. We need a firm foundation for our hope, something that won't crumble when the winds of change come. To quote the 19th century hymn writer Edward Mote, Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. If our hope is misplaced, we are but one strong wind away from being dashed to pieces. That leads me to our passage this morning. We took an Easter break last week, so let's return to Acts 27. We've been following the journey of Paul and his companions and the couple hundred or so others who were on this ship caught in a storm. It seemed like an appropriate text for us to camp in for a number of weeks. So get your Bibles or your devices or click the Bible tab if you're watching this live and get to Acts 27, 27 through 38. Acts 27, 27 and following. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land, so they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little farther on they took a sounding again and found fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. What a great picture of our current cultural moment. A relentless storm. A people confined with limited supplies. Striving to survive. Grasping for a shred of hope. Back in verse 20, they said this, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. That sounds hopeless, but ironically, that is exactly what saved their lives. 
How so? Well, up to this point, they were relentlessly battling the storm, trying everything they could to keep the ship together, to ride out the storm, to find a safe harbor somewhere. Seems reasonable. Seems exactly like what we would do if we were in that, that place. And yet it wasn't until they abandoned all hope in their own ability to save themselves that they were open to another means of being saved. At this point, Paul was ready to preach. This is where we left off a couple weeks ago. Paul stood up and said, this is verse 22 through 26, Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. God was going to save them, but not the ship, not their supplies that they had stockpiled. And not through their own ability or strength or endurance or expertise or ingenuity or wisdom. They had to abandon all of those as the foundation for their hope. It's no different than basing our hope on feeble and fleeting things like financial security, health and wellness, our own ingenuity and ability, our wisdom and expertise, or any other earthly thing. Until we stop grasping the ropes that are attached to the sails that we hoisted up to carry us through life, or the ropes that we're hoping will anchor us, we'll be unable to take hold of anything else. Let me say it another way. We are not meant to white-knuckle through life. We're meant to be recipients of God's grace and love and mercy and provision of His salvation. Open hands, not clenched fists. What will it take to bring us to that point? In the middle of a storm, it's extremely difficult to take a posture of peace and reception, but we must. It's very likely the reason that God allows or continues to send the winds and the waves against us. Know this full well. God could have stopped that storm that day, could have calmed the waves, changed the winds, parted the sea, and he didn't. He was going to deliver them all, to save them all. But he was going to do it by crushing their ship upon the rocks. Let's not miss this in the current storm our world finds itself in. God can end it right now. But maybe we need the shipwreck. Every one of us has held on to earthly ropes and anchors that ultimately have no ability or power to save. Jesus may even have been one of them, but he must be the only one. The Apostle Peter said in Acts 4.12, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus himself said in John 14.6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 10.13, this is the Apostle Paul. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we can give thanks for the storms when they come. Because they might just strip us of all 
worldly hope and bring us to a place where we are ready to receive true salvation. In fact, there's not only hope in suffering, the title of this message, a message that we need, but also hope through suffering. Hope may even be dependent on suffering. It is certainly connected. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 5, 2 and following, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So the storms, even the shipwrecks, might be the very things God uses to grow our character and hope. Are you in that place? Or do things still need to get much worse before you will let go of hoping in earthly things or your own ability, perspective, wisdom, or some future better day? The Apostle James gives us some perspective in James 4.13 and following. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, Deo Valente, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. This world is not getting better. Progressivism is a myth. The American dream is merely that, a dream. And this global pandemic may be a merciful way of revealing that. And yet it won't be enough, will it? Not for the majority but maybe for some. Do we need the shipwreck, the loss of everything, before we'll cling to the one who can truly save? Maybe. It's amazing what it takes for our hearts to be softened. And some never will. The Puritans used to have a saying that the same sun that melts the ice hardens clay. Lord, you are melting our hearts. So melt them completely, we pray. Now, something was happening to the hardened soldiers and sailors in that ship. Perhaps a softening. Certainly a desperation. These were the same men who had ignored Paul's warning previously while back on land. And now they're starting to listen. This is verse 30 through 32. As the sailors were seeking to escape the ship, they had lowered the ship's boat under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow Paul said to the centurion, unless they stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. Now we can at least see that they're coming to the end of themselves. They would prayed for day to come. Were they praying for Neptune or Poseidon to rescue them? Or were they praying to Paul's God? We don't know. Nothing they had tried to this point had worked. So they were becoming open to another message of hope. And we can at least commend them for a moment. And may we be like them in this. So they have one final thing to try. They knew it was unlikely to save them. 
But they also knew if they stayed on the ship, they were going to crash against the rocks and perhaps perish. Getting onto the lifeboat was a last-ditch effort. But what else could they do? Instead, they did choose to listen and believe Paul. And I think that's remarkable. So many will try everything else before trying out the promises of God. Lord, may that never be true of me, of us. Your promise is salvation. We know the storms will come, and often you won't stop them. The shipwreck is coming, so we put our hope in you alone, the only rock and firm foundation. I'm also convicted by Paul's example and faith. I've preached on that a couple times already. There he is, striving right alongside the sailors, shoulder to shoulder. He had warned them not to get on the ship. Furthermore, he knew the shipwreck was coming, and yet he still was not passive. There also must have been something powerfully on display through his confident assurance, his faith, his hope. He believed fully in the promises of God, and it was evident. I want a faith like that, don't you? In the middle of storms, peace. In times of tribulation, calm. In times of loss and grieving and suffering, hope. Our world is desperate for this message in word and action. Our world is full of the opposite. Anxiety, fear, stress, hurry, restlessness, and hopelessness. But that was true before the coronavirus. There's so much talk right now of getting back to normal. Do we really want to get back to where we were? I believe there is something new on the horizon of our lives and in the way that we live out our faith. Do not waste this storm. Our only hope is in Jesus alone. I heard quoted this week a very famous verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. There's the Apostle Paul again. What a great verse. And we need this verse. The only problem, it was totally taken out of context, as it often is. It was quoted in a way, and trying to be encouraging, that we can get through this. This quarantining, social distancing, penny-pinching, homeschooling storm with Jesus. Now, true, it must be with Jesus, but we need to hear the context that Paul was speaking. Right before he said those famous words, he said in verse 12 of Philippians 4, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here it is. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul was speaking of contentment, another term for peace that surpasses human understanding, a supernatural peace. Jesus was Paul's anchor, his harbor, his rock. This is where his hope was founded, not in any earthly thing. Abundance is fine. God is a God of abundance, superfluous even. So long as abundance or any earthly thing isn't the source of our hope. But how do we know if it is if we haven't lost it all? Paul had lost everything. In fact, by this point, he had already been shipwrecked three times. So what's the lesson? Don't go sailing with Paul. I'll catch the next one. Thanks.
How could he remain at peace, content, hopeful, even though if he survived and God was true to his word as he would be, he still was a prisoner on his way to stand trial before Nero. His hope wasn't circumstantial. It wasn't based on any earthly thing. He trusted solely on the promises of God. And Jesus promised storms would come. Listen, if you're reading along with, with us in the Gospel of John, then you this week read John 16. John 16, Jesus said, I have said all these things to you that you may have peace, because in this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The way of the world is anxiety, fear, stress, hurry, restlessness, hopelessness, because of tribulation, hardship, trial, and suffering. And Jesus overcame the world, showing us what a life abiding in God and dependent on the Holy Spirit will look like. It's the only life worth living. And Jesus offers it to all who follow him. Because tribulation, suffering, and storms will come. Yet take heart. We can have peace. I get to preach this message of hope and strength at a time of incredible loss for me and my family. Most of you know that my dad's body died last week. Far too young. I miss my dad. I'm sad. I'm grieving. But I'm also full of hope and peace. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, We do not grieve as the world grieves, those who have no hope. Every day that last week when I left his room and his bedside, I wondered if it would be the last time I would see him alive. He wasn't responsive, but if he could hear me, I wanted to be sure that I wasn't saying goodbye. So I said, as I often do, I'll see you soon. I didn't mean the next day. I wasn't sure of the next day. I will see him, and it will be relatively soon. We are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes, and no one knows what tomorrow will bring. My dad battled Parkinson's for 12 years, and in those 12 years, my hope was never in dad getting better. Even though I prayed for healing countless times, and so many of you prayed along with me and for him. But our hope must not be in some better day sometime in the future. That, that hope is feeble and fleeting. My hope rests on the promises of God, of true salvation. Even if the storm leads to a shipwreck, the loss of every earthly thing, the Lord gives and takes away. Paul said in Ephesians 2, verse 4 and following, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Do you want true and lasting hope? There is no other source. 
Do you want the peace and contentment that the world is frantically searching for? It's right here. It always has been. Whatever you've been clinging to that you believe will save you, it's time to let go. And receive the gift of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Open your hands and arms for the embrace of your Heavenly Father, the only one that can save. And I'm not talking about merely a salvation from the fires of hell unto eternal life in heaven. I'm talking about salvation unto the fullness of life, even now. So the word sozo in Greek, which we often translate as save, means so much more than just rescue, deliverance, though it means that. It also means renewal, wholeness, healing. Being saved by God means being restored to our original design, what we were intended for, made for. We need salvation from anxiety, fear, discontent, hurry, restlessness, and hopelessness. And Jesus shows us how. He abided in God his Father. He trusted fully in his promises. He depended on the Holy Spirit. His hope was not circumstantial, nor was it dependent on any earthly thing or better day to come. We need salvation in every way, but it will not be ours until we stop clinging to earthly things, even the elusive dream of a better future. Don't wait for things to get much worse. Don't try another tactic. Don't grip harder and ride it out. Fall upon and cling to the rock of your salvation. The same rock that shatters our ship is the rock that saves I'm reminded of King David's prayer. Will it be ours as we close and then respond? Psalm 18, verse 2 and following. Let me get there in the word. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of shale entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. Now, there's a sense where David was reaching out to a God who was not near to him in his experience. And that may be true from our experience, and yet we have the promises of God that he is not far off. We do not need to get his attention, but we must call upon him, fall upon the rock, and cling to him for the salvation that only he can bring. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we need your word, we need your promises, and we need your presence with us, Lord. We do not want to be people who waste this moment, this storm, this uncertainty, and for some, this incredible suffering. We want to grow in every way. We, we do pray that you would deliver, that you would rescue, that you would heal, that you would 
hold back with even a greater mercy the spread of this virus, keep it at bay or eradicate it completely. We know these are right prayers because you tell us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and there is no virus and disease and death in heaven. So we pray it in accordance with your word and your command. And yet, would we be humbled that if the ship and the sails and the anchors that we've been clinging to must be shattered to pieces, then may it be that we cling to you and you alone. There is no other name. There is no other Savior. There is is no other way, no other truth, no other life but you alone. And we cling to you yet again, Lord. Thank you for your salvation unto the fullness of life. May it be our experience in the here and now, in the midst of the storm. You are our rock and our anchor. And we love you, Lord. Amen. Church, respond as you feel led, as you are able to sing and give praise, to take communion together, even if you're alone, you are not alone, to give generously, to look for ways to serve and to bless, and to continue to be faithful and enduring. We will see you soon.